We welcome all who come on this Father's Day and on the Feast of Corpus Christi to celebrate the Mass. And to those who join us by way of spiritual communion in our live stream, we welcome you here to St. Anne's. Many years ago, I may have told this story before, so I apologize, but many years ago I was a master of ceremonies at St. Matthew's Cathedral here in Washington as the associate pastor there. And there was a very special investiture mass for the knights and ladies of the equestrian order of the Holy Sepulchre. These are knights and ladies who are invested in the grand tradition of that order to care for the shrines in the Holy Land, historically, to assist pilgrims, the crusaders, and also to provide education in Palestine to our Christian brothers and sisters. It's a very noble order. I was not in that order, but I was present for the ceremony, and afterwards there was a lovely reception. And one of the ladies of the Holy Sepulchre was at my table at the reception, and she turned to me and she said, now, Father Watkins, are you in the order? And I said, yes, I am. And she said, but you're not wearing any of the decorations of the equestrian order of the Holy Sepulchre. Are you in the order of Malta? At the time, I was not, but I said, I am not in that order. She said, well, um, and looking at her line of decoration, she said, are you in the order of St. Sylvester? And I said, no, hmm. but you claim to be a member of an order? I said, yes. She looked further. Are you a member of Pio Nono, Pius IX? I said, no. Are you a member of Morris and Lazarus? I said, no. Are you a member of the St. Michael of the Wing from Portugal? I said, no. And she listed all of these orders, Constantine Order of St. George, she went on and on. She had so many decorations, Order of the Garter, how she got that, I don't know. <laughs> but she was also a retired two-star general in the Air Force, so she had, in addition, all her miniature medals. So as she walked, you can imagine the weight on her left side, she listed to the port somewhat, and at the end of this, she was exasperated. She said, I've listed everything in the history of the Roman Catholic Church plus other orders, and you claim to be a member of the order. Which order are you? I said, Madam, I am a member of the oldest order in the history of the world. She said, what's that? I said, the order of Melchizedek. She said, what's that? I said, the priesthood of Jesus Christ. She said, what do they wear? <laughs> I said, well, a Roman collar. Then she turned to her husband and said, Jack, how do I get into that order? Jack had had a few at the end of the table and he looked at her and said, oh God, Liz, what I would do to get you into that order. <laughs> The Order of Melchizedek, brothers and sisters, is the oldest order in the history of the world. 
Now, that is the priesthood. Jesus Christ, through the line of David, a Davidic royal household, in that line are members of the order of Melchizedek. So Jesus traces in his humanity his priesthood through that line, the Jewish order of priesthood, Melchizedek, who was one of the high priests centuries before Christ. And these temple priests in Jerusalem offered sacrifice to Yahweh. They were entrusted with that responsibility. And this went on, of course, for many, many generations until the destruction of the temple in the year 70 AD by the Romans, who were fed up with the Jews in Jerusalem. They weren't paying their taxes. They were revolting. And the Romans finally said, enough is enough. And they destroyed the temple. It had taken 40 years to build that. And in one day, it was gone. And with that destruction came, by the end of the first century, the death of all those priests. There was no more temple in which to offer sacrifice. Therefore, there was no purpose for these priests. And they died out. And you could say, well, in our contemporary mind, go ahead and rebuild the temple. You've got the money, you've got the resources, and just create a new priesthood. It doesn't work that way in Judaism. No, priesthood died in Judaism by the end of the first century. But Jesus says to his apostles, I will make you priests. And he did that at the Last Supper when he entrusted to these men the duty, the office, the privileged responsibility of taking bread and saying the words, do this in memory of me, this is my body. Do this in memory of me, this is my blood. Jesus parts from the ritual of the Passover meal, which had been entrusted to them to revere and follow that script word for word. You don't mess with that. You don't make it up. You don't part from the text. But Jesus did. It's the first time in the history of Passovers we know of a Jew parting from the ritual of the Passover meal. He didn't just take the bread and the wine and say, this is a remembrance of the Exodus event of our salvation history. He says something very new and unique. He says over the bread, this is my body. And over a cup of wine, this is my blood. And every time you do this, you're doing it in remembrance of me. Now, for many people who bear the name Christian, our brothers and sisters who are not Catholic, to remember Jesus is a wonderful thing. They remember him through the word, of scripture, and they remember him as represented under forms of bread and wine at their communion fellowship, those communion services that they conduct, Baptists, Methodists, many others, Presbyterians. 
Lutherans to some extent, depending on the church, and the low end of Anglican churches. But they don't have, as such, a priesthood that institutes not the representation of Jesus under forms of bread and wine, but the representation, the representation, presenting him, making him present, truly present again through the act of a priest. This is very important because when we talk about religion, we're really talking about some kind of public cultic act of sacrifice to God. That's the nature of religion from caveman to the present. There are other forms of spirituality and philosophies and theologies and, and, and meditations, but they're really not as such religion when it comes to the understanding of public cultic acts of sacrifice. So we said Judaism no longer has a priesthood. Islam does not have a priesthood of sacrifice. The Imams are priests, but more political religious leaders. Now, now the only order that we know of is the order of Melchizedek that comes to us through the succession of the apostles by the laying out of hands of men for 2,022 years. And I'm one of those in the oldest order in the history of the world. I don't wear much decoration. Look at me, simple, right? But what I do is not mine, it's his. See, if this sacrifice were my sacrifice, like the temple priests of Judaism, like any other priest, they die out. And those sacrifices are their own. I don't say over these elements of bread and wine, this is my body, this is my, I say the words of Jesus, who by power of the Holy Spirit represents his body his blood. So who is really the high priest at this mass? Who is the high priest of cultic sacrifice in Catholic religion? There he is, our high priest. These are his words. This is his action. Everything that happens here is the work, ultimately, of the prayer and sacrifice of Jesus, the God-man. As it was at Holy Thursday, as it is at St. Anne's Church, at 11.22 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and around the world until the end of time. This is the prayer of Jesus. Notice in the Mass that every prayer is more or less addressed to the Father, through the Son, by power of the Holy Spirit. This is really ultimately the work of Jesus. He's offering again and again and again at every Mass, daily Mass, Sunday Mass, high mass, low mass, doesn't matter. This is my body. This is my blood. Right now, around the world, at every second, somewhere, mass is being offered. Jesus is offering himself once again for you and for the many that sins may be forgiven. This is not my act. It's his act through me. It's his act through you. It's his act through the church. Wonderful. So we remember Jesus. We always are seeking to remember him. On this Father's Day, I have great love for my father, and I have a picture of my father. I, I remember my father, who's now deceased. And I remember my mother, who's deceased. And aunts and uncles and family and friends 
Many of them I remember, and I wish they were here. I wish they could be part of my life again. I'd love for them to be here at St. Anne's and to see what we're doing together. But they're not here in the same way. But notice with Jesus, something's different. We don't just remember him in his words. We do something very different. We represent him. He represents himself fully, truly. This is why in Catholic understanding, we call the Eucharist a real and divine true presence, a re-presence of Jesus. Not just bread and wine, not just a metaphor, not just a poetry. I mean, our Lord could have said, look, here's the bread, here's the wine. Let's say um, this bread represents our fellowship and our love for each other as brothers and sisters. Bread is a sign of sustenance and we're breaking bread together around the table as a family of faith and hope and love. That would have been beautiful. But that's not what he said. He could have said, I suppose, this bread represents me in some way as, as a token of my love for you. And every time you break it, uh, think of me. Remember me. He didn't say that. There are lots of things I suppose Jesus could have said. But what's radically different, he didn't say that. He said, this is my body. Now, for those who are skeptical and say, well, we don't really know what he said. For the Jew, at that Last Supper, in that upper room, they would have known this was radically different because it was so different from the text they were accustomed to every Passover, every Seder meal. Well, this is radically new. Then he says, go, he goes on to say, and this blood is the new and everlasting covenant. In other words, there will never be another covenant of love between God and mankind than Jesus. Nothing better, nothing more, nothing less. The new and everlasting, everlasting, eternal covenant. So once you're into this covenant with Jesus through his body and blood, you are united with God. Very, very important to remember that at Mass. So many will say to me, hey, I don't go to Mass anymore, you know, Father, I don't get anything out of it. The preaching is boring. The music is so-so. The people, they don't even talk to me. It's an ugly church, you know, it's got, I don't know, granite or you know, concrete stone, it's in the round, and the microphones don't work, and people are running around, and children are crying, and it's a mess. And I always say, that's not the mass. All the smells and bells, all the art, the architecture, all those accidents, they may be important, but they pale by comparison to what is about to happen on this altar of sacrifice. Wow, this is the Last Supper, friends. You're invited back Sunday after Sunday, day after day, whenever you can, come. Because here, you are fed. You are fed, not just in mind, not just in your body, you're fed in your soul to be as close to God as possible. Because if I want to get to know you, what's gonna be the most effective way to do that? Is it to read about you? I could read the Bible about Jesus. That's wonderful, and we should do more of that. 
I could ask theologians, what do they think of Jesus? That's wonderful too. Encourage the mind, probe these mysteries. I could maybe read other texts or sources or that kind of thing. But the most effective way to get to know anyone is up close and personal, body to body, blood to blood. Now, how are we going to do that today with Jesus, who seems so far away, maybe in heaven? Oh, no. I am with you always. And every time you take this bread and say, this is my body, every time you take that chalice and say, this is my blood, I am there, truly present. Wow, what a privilege to be Catholic. What a beautiful privilege it is to come to Mass. What an incredible responsibility. What a gift. And every time we receive him, the only thing we can say is thank you, Lord. Thank you for giving me the closest possible personal connection with God on earth today and every day of my life. Don't take it for granted. It's a beautiful gift. On this Father's Day as well, to remember our fathers. And in prayer, we present them to our Heavenly Father, knowing that they are united with him in that covenant of love in which we now share through the body and blood of the risen Lord.